Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-host Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. I am here with Lisa and Brian. And today we are joined by Laurel Erica, who is the creator of Word Magic Global, a mind bending, paradigm shifting reintroduction to the English language that brings to light the hidden philosophy in the ordinary words we give voice to every day. By revealing the secret spells of the English language with which we write our own life sentences and the sacred path words pointing toward our liberation, Laurel shows in verse and prose how young and old around the globe can collectively, creatively, and quite rapidly take command of the English language and upgrade it to facilitate our essential evolution from humankind to human kindness. Laurel, such a pleasure to have you join us today. How are you? Well, I'm well, and I'm so looking forward to the opportunity to have this communication with the three of you and with your audience. Very, very nice to have you here. The words we use, I think, uh, I mean, I'm sure our listeners, our audience members are somewhat familiar with the power of word. Uh, because we're, we're taught a lot through affirmations and to be careful about wor- what words we choose to use um, because they, ha- they carry a certain energy. How did you get into this whole domination of the word and the English language and all of that stuff? Well, I, I started when I was about two or three years old. I remember my first pun and I've written about it a bit. I just was fascinated by words. I, I remember announcing to my parents when I was three or four, I bet I now know all the words in the English language. Mm-hmm. And I started putting them together in ways that I learned many years later was how the ancients, East and West, would work with language, a much deeper understanding of the ways that they reflect us and communicate with us and affect us. And I just, I I feel like this lifetime is a continuation of work that I've done in the past. And so the essence of that is I started early because this is what I came here to do. And what was your parents' reaction to all of that? Oh, just, uh, let's see, how do I put it? In one piece of verse, I said, uh, they both saw two-dimensionally, so missed the better part of me. 
they were uh, artists. They'd met in art school in Paris, but they were very flat-footed in terms of their thinking. And this was, I was born in the mid-40s, so there was not a whole lot of consciousness afoot. And I, mm. I, I, I believe I was a, a metaphysical and linguistic prodigy and nature mystic, and I was treated like a... Um, a half wit and a bad seed. So it was not a welcoming environment. And uh, my, I was the only one I know throughout as I was growing up who was looking at what else words say beyond the meaning we've assigned to them seriously. And so I got a lot of dismissal and ridicule. Uh, but because I gained so much energy and information by playing with words, they really became my favorite plaything. And so I just persevered in the face of it all. And just, I, I remember uh, my sister was about 13 and a half years older, and she had an album on the life and death of Abraham Lincoln. And there was, a, it was a musical, and there was a, a refrain that said, lonesome train on a lonesome track. So I realized that was the theme song for my life, because I was looking in a direction that no one else did. But because it was what I came here to do, I, I, I know that's true, and because words have been so internally expansive for me, I persevered in the face of a lot of dismissal and opposition. And, and I became very reclusive. Uh, and in, as a result, I created a large body of work. And it was simply my personal way of soothing my soul and entertaining myself. I don't remember at what point I realized that I had a that my fantasy world was that I'd actually discovered something, um, that it wasn't just all made up. And then gradually finding uh, many more people coming up who find this work interesting. So it's taken some uh, feat of divine magic for more people to find out about it because I have not been good at all at self-promotion, having been shy, a little technophobic, and um, just reticent to be seen for a very long time. And yet the, word, the, the work has started to gain a real momentum and a lot of it appreciation. And fortunately, there's no end to it. I have what I've shown and what I've shared online is a tip of the tip of the iceberg of word magic of the body of work that I've created, which is hopefully meant to melt isolation and, and the enormous blockages we have put to our own fullness of expression through just the English language we speak today and the stories that we live out of, which many of which I've, or some of which I've found written in ordinary words, as I've shared. So you just intuitively as a child knew the power that the words had? Well, I don't know if I knew they had power. I just knew they had a lot more content than people were acknowledging. And so just quickly to tell the first story of the first pun was, uh, I mean, it's everything is so metaphoric. A delivery man came delivering a sound system for my father. And I was two or three years old. And it was like, a, I think a Magnavox monaural sound system is what it was in my memory. And 
that my memory may be imperfect of it. But he told me that when he opened the box, that a bat had flown out of the box and had flown out the window and or the door and landed in a tree in the backyard. So I ran out to stand in front of um, a small tree in the backyard and and. As I recall it, I anticipated seeing, looking for the bat and thinking it was going to be a baseball bat that would be hanging from the trees. And (laughs) so that was my first awareness that words that had the same sound and completely different meanings, uh, that that, that words could, that, that different things could be sharing the same sound. And why would that be? And so most people, that's called a pun or a homonym, same name. Um, And it's generally in our culture dismissed as nonsense. And for, for a very long time, puns were called the lowest form of humor, although James Joyce and William Shakespeare were master punsters, able to use words multidimensionally, having levels of meaning simultaneously. And yet in our culture, puns were consigned to humor, considered uh, foolish humor at that, so, quote, the lowest form of humor. So that's the atmosphere I walked into, and I look, I hear in atmosphere at most fear. So I believe there's lots of languaging we need to uh, elevate. So that was the first pun, and a friend described what I do as uh, accidentally. She called it echolocution, and it was like that. And I pursued that bat through echolocution, through the echo chambers of the English language. And it, I, uh, as I describe it, I really did dig all the way to China because I found the Chinese still look at language this way, just like the ancient Greeks and the ancient Egyptians. When did you start or decide to make this something you would do for a living or did, did you study it at university or how did, how did it become your life? No, nobody, nobody teaches this because nobody took it hmm. seriously. And gosh, I think it was on, on Greg Carlwood's higher side chat, which may be how you found my work. I'm not sure, but in any case, he interviewed someone speaking about the daemon, which is that uh, it gets confused with demon, but it's the creative genius within and that the daemon in some people is extremely powerful and extremely demanding. And you may even have to make some significant sacrifices in this life to follow the daemon and my daemon really had possession of me because this is what I came to do. I think the kind of uh, background that I came from, which was so non-conducive <laughs> to a happy life, is what drove me to go so deeply into the language. So I am looking toward making this my livelihood because it's most enlivening for me. However, it has not yet produced the prosperity that it has the potential to create, not just for me, but for any and all who wish to participate with it and play with words in these ways. So what I do a lot of is editing other people's work because I know how to tune up language to become orchestral so that a communication, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, sings to the hearts and the minds of uh, a person's audience. And so I do a lot of that and looking forward to doing a whole lot more of word magic. 
Well, that's actually very important because many of us have different ways of communicating our message, but the most important way to communicate your message is in the way that your audience will receive it. So what are some of the varying different types of audiences that you found can take the same message, but you change the wording just to fit their ears or the way that they can receive the message and understand it? So that there's different ways to look at that question, and I'll, I'll give you what pops to mind first. Uh, well, one is that I believe reality comes dressed in its own language. And when one can capture an insight in the moment and, and write it or record it, then it may continue to have the activating power it did for you when someone else receives it. So that's part A. Part B to my answer is I once performed about 10 or 15 minutes of word magic, including my word magic anthem, which is called Taking Command of the English Language. And that I think can be found on my YouTube channel, also on my wordmagicglobal.com website and on my Patreon page. So just Laurel Erica taking command of the English language, and you'll you'll get a sense of it. So I was performing it um, and moving and dancing with it to an improvisational drum beat, and the the accolade I received afterward that was most meaningful and memorable to me was from a seven-year-old girl who said, <laughs> "You were great." <laughs> I so appreciated that because it meant to me that despite complicated vocabulary that was likely unfamiliar to her, the message communicated, she received it, just like an infant can understand every language on the planet. Whatever is being spoken, there is the ability to grasp the meaning. And so uh, this child grasped it and, and received it. And so that's, that's part two or B of my response. A third is that I was just speaking with a, a potential client and she was saying, you're like a bird. You see things from all these different angles. And I wrote a piece called Open Heart Synchrony. That's about what the world is like once we tune the language to become as harmonious and growth-inducing as bird songs and cricket choirs. And when I was writing it, it went on for about three pages, and I thought self-critically that I was really gilding the lily. However, uh, I could not stop myself. There was my daemon pushing and pushing and pushing until it was finally completed. And then years later, I met Anne and Whitley Strieber. I don't know if you or your audience are familiar with them, but the book Communion, um, the movie book, was based on Whitley's uh, experience as someone who has met the visitors from wherever they come, interdimensionally or extraterrestrially, that he's met them frequently. Anyway, they gave me a book called The Language of the Birds. And it's by William Henry, the historian and mythologist. And it, it talks about a green language by which uh, we speak and, and there is a response in nature and we are part of the interchange of 
information and and beauty and love as conversationally. And it turned out that my most far out vision for what could happen when we retune the language to a higher frequency through wordplay in a very simple, fun and pleasurable way and through inner listening, it turns out that the language of the birds is English and that vision is part of ancient mythology even though it wasn't referring exactly to uh, the English language at the time. However, this is his, his understanding of it, or inner standing, as some like to say. So I have performed where birds have responded. Hmm. And uh, most uh, recently, I was performing outside, and everyone was looking up a- above me rather than at me. So I turned my gaze upward and there was a bird spinning in the vortex of energy. And then it flew off and it came back and it was spinning. So I believe that when we speak truly, when we allow word, when we become more aware of a language and allow it to speak to us and through us, that it speaks to all the elements and that it certainly communicates with audiences. So that's the bigger picture response. As an editor, I work with clients to hear the music in their message as they communicate it to me orally and possibly on paper as well. And I spent years as an intuitive counselor, and I worked on the first psychic hotline in Los Angeles, which is a a big story in itself, an amusing story. In any case, using my intuitive abilities, my abilities to hear the interior of language, and my rapport with the writer and knowledge of their audience, then we, we choose words among all those available that are familiar to me and to the author. And we just, we, we turn it from ideas into verbal music, essentially. And I've sometimes joked that I polish a document to, uh, to such a high frequency that only the dogs and I can hear it. <laughs> However, I feel like and, and I don't always. It depends on whether a person can afford me to spend that kind of time on it. And there's lots of levels at which we can do it. And not all documents need to be symphonies. So in any case, it creates music at whatever level we do it that will be received beyond the intellect, I believe, uh, in, and into a deeper place within the person. Would you be willing to to recite some of your performances? I, th- I think that would be really, really interesting to hear. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, let me take a bit of water. There's a lot I know by heart, and there's a lot that I don't. I'm going to share with you open heart synchrony. So it goes this way. I think of how exquisite it will be when we endeavor together to create an enchanting living language of supernatural poetry that scintillates so sensually that everything around us begins to vibrate sympathetically. Our words will ring so true that our honest expressions initiate lyrical sensations that every creature can appreciate, since we are all interconnected genetically and electromagnetically. 
So just as bird songs, cricket choirs, and other natural voices evoke a wholesome rhythm and nourishing harmonic for the planet, our gentle elemental language, every time it is spoke, will resonate symphonically with earth and all upon it. Then, when we give our words, if they can't be broken, we shall spin gold every time they are spoken. This may sound absurd, but let no one scoff it. For when truth be told, it shall make us profit. If this vision vibrates your soul, then let go of concern for the rules for transformational English grammar that have made us all such conversational fools, virtually deafened to the defamations still hidden in the glamour of our incessant ancestral verbal clamour. Instead, dismiss whatever impediments have left you feeling anything less than totally literate and open your heart's mind to allow the transcendental music of a new Singlish language to endow you with the true sacred spells, affirming terms, amazing phrases that can ring all our bells, lift our spirits, sing God's praises till our whole communication with the Lord in all creation underwrites our transformation and world reconciliation. Let's set tongues wagging around the earth with the possibility of sweetening up English to a true romance language. For if our words so melt the heart, they start the milk of human kindness flowing, so that every time we speak our mind, we set another flower growing. Then I believe before our very eyes, we human beings like butterflies will fully metamorphosize. And that's part one of two. That was lovely. It was lovely. It felt so angelic. Thank you. Well, it turns out, as I said, it is music of the birds and birds respond to it. I wanted to ask you, do you think that our language has been purposely dummied down to take out some of the powerful words that we have? I think everything has been dummy, dummied down and misnamed. I think left is right and right is left. I think those words are misnamed, though I have no evidence for it. I think the S-U-N should be your child and the S-O-N, the, the, the sun in the sky. I mean, just visually, it looks like it. So has this been done to us most likely to some degree? And 
What I believe also occurs is that language is like a hall of mirrors and an echo chamber. It's constantly echoing and reflecting us back to ourselves so that it's aggregating through what we contribute through our own consciousness and vocalizations. And there is also what I've termed an electropoetic force that causes words to migrate across continents, cultures, and centuries to come into the same vibration. And I will give you two examples, which are favorite ones of mine. The fact that praying sounds so savage, yet it also sounds divine. Or how about the way the prophet has become our bottom line? Could there be a briefer summary of millennia of history than these prey and profit metaphors used to justify so-called holy wars? Now add worship or worship, parish or perish, and it's easy to see why the world's so nightmarish. So that's, that's how I would answer that. Yes, quite a bit has mm. no doubt been intentionally done. I do believe that word, language is not just grammatical, mm -hmm. but hologrammatical too, which is why you get these multidimensional echoes and reflections. And the idea, focusing on who did this to us, is to, in my mind, get involved in a fool's game, because there's no winning of it. There's only being captured by the argument. On the other hand, if we see that each of us, as the good book says, are made in the image and likeness and out of that which brought us forth and brought us forth from the word, from sound and vibration, and, may, and that we have the capacity then to speak into existence a new vision of reality and a new vision of humanity as uh, angelic beings, as angelic being in human form who've been captured by the web of a lot of really terrible ideas that have brought us to the brink of uh, mass self-annihilation unnecessarily. And I still believe that we can speak a whole new vision of creation into existence. And that's what part two of the poem, Open Heart Synchrony, is about, which we can save for another time or whatever. Well, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Really? Okay. I'll, I'll give you part two then. Okay. So um, here's part two. I'll repeat the uh, closing paragraph of part one. Oh, well, let's set tongues wagging around the earth with the possibility of sweetening up English to a true romance language. For if our words so melt the heart, they start the milk of human kindness flowing so that every time we speak our mind, we set another flower growing. Then I believe before our very eyes, we human beings like butterflies will fully metamorphosize and as new creatures in the sun who speak the language that's become our mother planet's mother tongue in this first Aquarian millennium, 
We will talk our way back through the garden gate with words that help reconsecrate this hallowed ground to which we all are bound by fate. For with this potent new word magic language that our liberated spirits speak and sing in celebration of the union of the highest being with everything that's incarnation, we will succeed in gaining back the deed to Eden that will allow us to pass through a door of heaven and once our hearts have taken wing, there is no telling what the deep soul velvet of our inner beings will bring upon this plane of waking dreams. We only know that with the lyrics to the song of songs that rings throughout creation, we will regreen the meadows of our hearts with sacred psalms and incantations and with poems so rich in spirit pollen, mercy grows where words have fallen and all of us in faith with trust will clearly hear our own soul calling. And then do you know what we can call this place? When everybody walks and talks with the wisdom, beauty, mercy, power, and grace of a Buddha or the Christ? Paradise. For our joyful noise will have made it possible for us to love and live on the freer frequency of a higher octave. Very nice. Thank you. It's like I've I've never met a rap artist born in the forties. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you were well before your time. And it's just like, do you put music to your... Um... Well, I, I so love that you're asking that question. And um, I'm a rap artist in terms of rapture and and rapturousness. Mm. And I, I wrote really my first rap at the age of 20. And it's called the, the Marijuana Sutra. And... <laughs> <laughs> And the subtitle is Splendor in the Grass. Oh, I love and, it. Thank you. It's pretty cute. And so um, in terms of putting music together with it, I was invited by a fabulous Christian mystic podcaster rap artist known as Truth Seeker. So mm -hmm. S-E-E-K-A-H, marvelous, beautiful mm -hmm. soul and wonderful artist. And he invited me to contribute a stanza, not a stanza, a minute to his song on the throat chakra. And I would really like to share it with you because it's short for one thing, not nearly the length of open heart synchrony. The other thing is that it really is another kind of anthem because the Christmas before, I'd had a vision of being someone who could call together a colloquium of nimble verbal gymnasts of all ages and cultures to come together in recognition of what we can create energetically, hypnotically, rhythmically by 
having high intention when we allow the potent molten language to flow through us and take on forms that absolutely lift consciousness. We feel so powerless in the face of the absolute power mad insanity going on. And yet we have the power of the word and we are incarnations of that which spoke everything into existence. So that was the vision uh, Christmas 2017 is to be able to create that colloquium of nimble verbal gymnasts where we come together with the intention to really do some potent spell casting of the highest levels of beauty and intelligence and wisdom. So the, the year after, Truth Seeker invited me for a conversation like we're having right now, and then also uh, invited me to contribute a minute to his song on the throat chakra. So I did, and I, I have the little sound strip for it, but it was my first time trying to rap where I had to conform to a rhythm that to my ears sounded like machine gun fire. Um, <laughs> and so um, I did record it and I can send you the little sound strip that has um, Truth Seeker's verse and my piece embedded in it. What I'd like to do right now, it's only a page long rather than three as the one before was. I'd like to share Speaking Beauty with you. Sure. Sure, please. We are godlings on this planet, here because we all pre-planned it. Ghastly, ghostly shadows, damn it, now's our chance to superman it. Lift your voices, re-enchant it. Freedom's codes are all semantic. Though we're small and sometimes frantic, souls are whole and all gigantic. These may be our darkest hours, yet each of us has superpowers. The infinite is infinite, which means we can switch on the light. All life's a dream, and we're the dreamers. Though hate's streaming through the schemers, we're all here as world redeemers. Beaming peace, we're love supremers. So mages, sorceresses, sages, artists of all sorts and ages, share your gifts now, be courageous, daring actions are contagious. Diamond minds and hearts of gold are gifts that prophecies foretold for those uniting souls on earth by honoring each being's full worth. When we let go of againstness, we step into our immenseness, for the genesis of genius is the light we strike between us as we use the gifts with which we are blessed to inspire higher consciousness. Wow, that's awesome. Thank that's, you. That's right in line with all the things we talk about. Thank you. Well, I'd be happy to send it to you if you want to post it. Yeah, that would be great. We'll play it right here. Lovely. Please.
so gangster (laughs) that was awesome i love it could you explain to our audience especially for someone who might be new to this like brian exactly yes like brian um exactly what the power of the word is and why we should be encouraged to use it, whether it's in an affirmation, a declaration to the universe, um, perhaps even for your own protection. Can you first explain the what exactly the power of the word is and then how, why people should be using it? Well, the word is equated with God. So in a sense, you're asking me what exactly is the power of God and how can we make greatest use of that power? So... 
there are electromagnetic, there's all sorts of interdimensional awarenesses about this that I cannot explain to any degree because my knowledge of it on that level is not, um, it's not up to that response that you are seeking. So what I can share is that everything is vibration. Everything is sound in motion. And as we speak, we are having an impact on our, on not just on listeners, but on everything around us because everything is made of energy. So we are the one creature on the planet who has that ability to speak into existence what it is we are seeking to create or what it is we are seeking to avoid. So when we use our, uh, our power to, of the word, to communicate, to set off vibrations. It's like we have the word intention, and that always puts me in mind of a big web, and we are putting a tension into that web. We are, we are sending off frequencies that cannot but return to us sometimes immediately, sometimes over time. So to be to be more conscious of words as living energies, as little vital entities and packets of information with uh, awareness, with, with more messages than we've been aware of. We've assigned something to them and they are so much more than that and they can impact us, we can impact them. So kindness, it's like, I. I believe that everything we're seeking in life has to do with sensations and we're seeking the highest and the sweetest. And we think it takes more of this and more of that to allow us to access those frequencies within ourselves, but actually it doesn't. That's, that may be the trigger, but it's been there all along and we can trigger it for ourselves as we speak, as we communicate, as we, as we hold intentions and, and the higher the frequency, the sweeter, the finer, the more pleasurable. And so kindness, of course, is far more pleasurable than cruelty, both to the, the giver and the receiver. And once I was looking at what is the nature of free will, and I realized that there are spectrums of things and, and we can experience a frequency, a spectrum on various levels. So for instance, violence, violins, and violet are all in my mind on the same arc. So you can touch to the essence of life through violence in which you're, you, you know, you're, you've got blood on your hands and what is more the essence of human life than blood. Or you can do it through the violet flame, through, through beauty and purification and high frequency. And as speakers of the word, we're constantly creating the music of our lives. And no matter how loud it may be or how whatever we might how judge it to be, the more it can be about 
um, engendering within ourselves and other people feelings of pleasure and joy, which kindness does, the more enjoyable our life becomes. So I don't know how to answer your question more than that. Oh, you did great. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> like, so we just all came back from Jessica Alstrom's Quantum Revolution tour. And part of the process in the tour was people were discovering their I am and they were placing a word after that that really kind of spoke to their own power of who they are, how they want to show up. And so I guess from what I gather from what you just were saying is that for us and our audience to be so conscious of the words that we choose, because when we are saying things like I am and then following it with other words, we're literally putting out information packets to the universe that will match that frequency. And it's like, like attracts like. And so you have that option of bringing that in through your word as much as through your emotions, your thoughts, your deeds. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Nicole, because I was thinking about that as well. And, I ha and, and I've, I've actually been thinking something for the last couple of weeks. And, and, and I'm curious what you all think, um, specifically you, Laurel. Yes. I, you were talking about the spoken word. Yes. Does it really have to be audible? Because when I say something in my mind that I hear, you know, because we're talking about energy and it is, is the vibration of my voice that important for, you know, manifesting something or, you know, reciting my I am statement or can I, can I speak in, in my mind? Oh, uh, yes, I believe you can. And yes, I mean, they're, they're different frequencies and someone else can give you the uh, much more, a technically uh, astute answer than I'm able to. However, I can tell you that intention is so high, and I mean, you might be, uh, so it's so potent that you might be hearing, um, I am love, I am what, I am beauty, I am wisdom, whatever it is you're hearing, it might even be a whisper inside yourself, but if it's stirring your heart and your, 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 your guts, your, you know, if it's, if it's just really um, help, you're feeling it energetically, it has more power. It has the most power then. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's a great question, Brian, for a lot of people to hear, because, you know, I, this is, I think it's very important to use your voice. It doesn't mean you have to use your voice, but it's another tool to amplify what what's kind of going on so like for instance when we were at the qrt we spoke into it in a machine like a program that took the tones of your voice you saying certain vowels and created a sound therapy scalar energy program for you to listen to so there there is some sort of power behind your own frequency of your, your voice the vibration of your actual voice coming up because no one says it the way that you do it's all like a unique imprint or sig signature that we all have and then on top of that, you know, one of the things that I get my clients to do is to record them saying things that are like affirmation wise and then listen to it because I feel like you hearing the sound of your own voice, there's something empowering about hearing you have the command as opposed to someone else saying it. There's like a, it, it really imprint, imprints the belief system that you have. Beautiful. I completely agree. I also think, you know, with, 
say myself, I channel light language and, and what I've learned about light language and how it works with you on a cellular level, I would imagine that the lang- languages are the same way, that the not just the words, but the tones are, as you said, Laurel, emitting frequencies that are affecting us in certain ways. And Right. It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Yeah. And it seems like over the past 20 years or so, the English language has seemed to decline more and more, um, especially with music lyrics and the way that our teenagers are speaking more bass not boom chicka boom bass but (laughs) you know b-a-s-e well no i know exactly what you mean and i love the word debasement i write it d apostrophe (laughs) because that's where it takes it and i i remember the phrase debasement of the of the culture and it's k-u-l-t-u-r and i i googled that and it turned out that that was um I think focused primarily on uh, what happened in Nazi Germany that's Mm. happening here. I mean, look at even country names. It's so ridiculous. Germany, you know. So uh, there's so many country names that that are reflections of their contents. But I don't want to take away from this conversation because I think what you said, uh, and I don't know if it was Nicole or Lisa who said it, um, about... Hearing hearing your own wisdom in your own voice reminds you of who you are. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is such an important part of this whole journey. So many of us are, are, are remembering who we are. Yes. And not who we were told to be or, or um, you know, remembering the very essence of our, our or, origination of creation. Yes. Uh, certainly that is the desire and many more are, you know, people are being born so much more awake. And, uh, and I think with an upgraded uh, brain as well. So I had a dream once where I was listening to an advanced linguist speak. And what he said was that when we tune up the language, the people who come in won't have to forget who they are, where they came from and why they're here. I think of my children when my, my kids are in their, in their twenties, but when they were teenagers and they started using words like, oh, that's so sick. You know, my son says that he still says, it. yeah, he still <laughs> says he's 27 and he still says that, but just the corruption of our language and the decline of it and, and the power that that has. And that if people truly understood that, that we really need to get back to yeah. Or the, the laughter, the, you know, when someone's laughter and someone will say dying, <laughs> you know, like, and then they've got like those laughing emoji coming after it. It's like, you know, you think about all of these words that we're using. You're so right, Lisa. Like there's, there, <laughs> there's definitely something to be aware of there. It's like when you want to say that someone's really powerful or, you know, in their power, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, he's such a badass. You know, it's like, why are we saying things like that? Why are we using the, these words and, and not understanding how powerful they really are? Well, and we're really sentencing ourselves. Now, this is a true self-condemnation. I was thinking uh, maybe yesterday about how it's become common for, for people to refer to male genitalia as junk. 
And that is yes. such an ugly, degrading image for the sort of life. <laughs> um, gee, I mean, everything is about debasement of consciousness and the, the loss of awareness. And so I do believe uh, we do need to even rename things. And starting with the Big Bang. <laughs> Well, I like the sword of life, actually. Yeah, I think that's a great. Cool. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I'm going to definitely use it because a lot of times women are res are referred to as the chalice ah, of life, right? Okay, yes, then definitely that's gorgeous. So with so if if fuck wasn't used to condemn people, you would think if you the insanity of taking the most pleasurable physical exchange with someone and throwing it as an insult and a condemnation mm, at someone else. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got ourselves literally working yeah. at cross purposes with ourselves. Yeah. Backwards. Yeah. That's exactly right. <gasps> oh, 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 wow, Brian. You're so quick. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's it. I talk about turning word insight out and backwards and when you do that i mean boy it's so enlightening and so illuminating anyway chalice and the blade gorgeous yeah so you do work with people i know yes. you do some editing but i would imagine that you also do work with them on websites and maybe blog posts or things like that i, I can imagine that it would be extremely impactful to have someone like you review your work Thank you so much. Yes, I appreciate that. And and I, I do my best to cast word magic there as well. And love supporting people, intuiting their essence, and then helping them language it in such a way that other people feel that their energy conveyed through their name. So that's certainly the goal. And yes, I do that. And I help them with speaking and with reciting and with creating at any level and at any point in their process of seeking to become adepts with the word in the written form and the spoken. Can we play a, a little game? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and, I, and I don't know if, if this is something you're up for or if it even is something, but I'm going to throw it out there because I keep, it keeps coming in. You know, one of the hardest parts of this whole journey of awakening is coming out of the closet to your loved ones, right? Letting people know what you're all about, where your heart's kind of leading you and letting people kind of um, opening the door to them to let them see inside to what's really sparking life inside of you. Um, how would you, what would you, okay, since you can take you know, the words of, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, of say someone who wants to share with a family member or a partner or a really good friend their awakening process or what's kind of going on within them in a way that they could hear it and understand it. Well, it requires being in rapport with that person, giving them permission to be where they at, where they're at in their own consciousness and then sharing in the simplest terms. I had an experience like that when my father was 
quite elderly and had Alzheimer's, and he really had no spiritual, metaphysical, um, awakened inkling when he was fully conscious. On this occasion, when I was sitting with him, I, I asked if he would like me to speak a prayer. And, and he would, and, and I said, I think, you know, um, he, I, maybe he mentioned that he didn't believe in God. And I said, well, I think of God as love. And he liked that. And I spoke a spontaneous prayer. And this man who couldn't track more than an instant at a time, tracked the whole time through. And at the end said, that was beautiful. So I do believe that we can, with high intention, communicate at a level that can be received by the other person as, as we stay in, in tune with ourselves, in rhythm and rapport with them, and open to allowing spontaneous words to flow, trusting that these will be the words that can plant seeds in the other person, even if they don't immediately sprout flowers. Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, and I think this is so important for many to understand because it's a fine dance between honoring your truth, but also knowing that if your truth falls on deaf ears, then you're never heard. So how do you find the balance between speaking your truth, but also speaking it in a way that someone can hear you and receive you so that it's communicated and heard. So the best way to do that, and really the only way it can to do that is by so integrating your what you are awakening to that you are living it, you're demonstrating it, and you're, you're transformed by it and through it. And at some point, the other person may notice um, if that even never occurs consciously it's still occurring energetically and it's like the wheels are turning within the wheels of evolution so that would be my answer is to live it and be it and at a certain point the other person may be more receptive not just to see it but to hear it as well mm -hmm. i yeah i couldn't agree with you more on that i've definitely experienced that and being the model living it out is is much more powerful than um, speaking at first. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes when you say something to someone with that full intention that you were speaking of, Nicole, it they may not get it right away, but it's kind of like that water drop, you know, that it may resonate with them much later down the line. Or it may be like your light language and it speaks to them on a deeper level. Yeah, that they don't yet understand, but their heart knows. Mm -hmm. Right, but it's mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you, Laurel, so much for being on the show. This is such a beautiful experience. Your words were, it was, it was truly artistic. And I felt like I was being taken on a story the entire time. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much for that reflection. There's so much more of that, <laughs> which I haven't yet made available. I I have a page for people to become patrons of my art so that I can share the um, the treasury of word magic as I continue to cultivate more. So 
Oh, do you have a, a YouTube channel? I know you have your website, but do you do? I have I have a YouTube channel, and I also have a Patreon page, which is p a t r e o n dot com slash word magic global and people can become patrons and they will receive uh, not just my grateful heart but also um, some grateful gifts i am also going to be starting a an online conversation called the lmn tree school and I will send you uh, a description if you care to share that with your audience. That's going to begin on August, no, no, excuse me, April 16th. I don't yet have the time or the Zoom link that well, I will be determining shortly. Yeah, we can add all those links into the show notes. Thank you so very much. So, well, you're lovely to speak with. And um, I love that you continually inform yourselves and, and expand yourselves. And that's beautiful. It was such a pleasure to have you on. I, I thank you so much for sharing some of your art with us and our audience. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation whenever and however it occurs. Absolutely. And so to our audience, all that information is going to be in the show notes. So um, please check that out if you're interested in um, listening to more of Laurel's work or supporting her as well. And I think it's really important for us to be consciously aware of the words that we're choosing as much as we're aware of the thoughts that we're thinking and the actions that we're doing and not reacting but acting and so it's all plays a part so it's all very important thank you so much laura for being on the show and thank you to our audience for joining us again once again this week we will be back with you next time thank you all for joining our show we appreciate you tuning in and supporting us if any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the anchor app there's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app and please continue to support us by following us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and if you haven't checked out nicole's channel on youtube yet head on over there for some more insight from her or you can visit her website inflexibleme.com where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading watch some of her most informative videos or you can sign up for her newsletter And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisalovesclub.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.